Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. The Square Ball Podcast. Hello there, welcome to this bonus edition of the Square Ball Podcast in which we bring you the best bits of the chat that we had with Angus Kinnear, Leeds United's CEO. He popped into our new studio just around the corner from uh, from Ellen Road to see us and bring us an update on everything that's going on in LS11 at the minute. And we spoke about loads of stuff, including like the ground expansion, some new information in there, uh, transfers, the commercial revenues. We even found out what Rock Nation do. We should really give these really clickbaity titles, things like The Truth About Rodrigo de Paul, 55,000 Seats, A Fantasy, things like that. <laughs> um, well, you might hear this. This is our generic intro that we're recording for all the little bits of this that we put out. So apologies if you have heard this before, if you're on like a second or a third listen. But we just wanted to say that it's over on um, The Extra Ball, which comes as part of TSB Plus, our new subscription package. If you fancy checking that out and getting the exclusives and stuff like this and uh, early access to the match ball, have a look at the squareball.net forward slash plus. In the meantime, enjoy our chat with Angus. In terms of profile raising then, we spoke last time about looking ahead to investment maybe over the next 12 months, be it from Acer, which is Andre's group, or the 49ers, or a another, maybe a third party. So, so what's the, the landscape looking like? now for Leeds, particularly with our profile so much higher than it was? We've had interest in, in investment for ever since we've taken on the club. I think um, as Andrea has improved the structure and improved the performance, people have started to see the potential that it's had and it's become a much more investable proposition. Andrea's principle has never changed, which is this is not about him. This is about, you know, how do you make Leeds United better? And if anybody can come in and help make Leeds United better, he's prepared to, to have a smaller share of a better Leeds United, which I think is the absolutely ideal perspective of an owner and um you know we have the, the partnership with the 49ers you know we always wanted people who wouldn't just bring funding but would bring expertise and they bring expertise from a technical perspective and from a commercial perspective they are seasoned sports professionals uh, Parag Marate is on the board I speak to him daily Jed York the owner you know is now a huge fan very very involved in the in, in the decision making and they've got great relationships with Andrea so I wouldn't be surprised if they are the source of, of, you know, of further investment. They certainly want to be. They want to become more involved. They've made no, no secret of that. Andrea's made no secret of his willingness to have them more involved. And um, I think it's, a, from my perspective, it's a, it's a fantastic partnership on which to found Leeds' future success. And what would they bring? What would their investment allow Leeds United to do, uh, whether it's them or anybody else? What, what's that, that next level? I think there are um, 
two key areas. One is always going to be on the pitch. And actually the investment that we've made this year, I think, you know, to the promoted clubs, our, our spend was significantly higher. I think, in fact, just across the league as a whole, our net transfer spend was 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 significant. We've gone for players who we don't think are going to make an incremental difference, but we think can make a meaningful difference. We've got players that we need to, uh, you know, retain who will be, as time goes on, will need new contracts to reflect their their new status. So I think, you know, continuing to fund things on the pitch is is absolutely central because that that's what we need to build off. And then I think there's then capital and commercial projects that they will also be able to help with. You know, we know we've, we've been doing the work recently and you know, we think there is easily demand for 55,000 seats at, at Ellen Road, probably demand for 60,000 seats. That would require to get to 60,000. In fact, to get to 55,000 requires development of both the West and the North Stand. That will be a key pillar of the new Leeds United. If you want to be a top six team, you know, you look across the top six, all of the stadiums are at the 50 to 60,000 level and they're looking at expanding them. Liverpool are looking at further expansion. Man City are looking at further expansion. So whilst internationalisation is important, the core revenue streams of, of filling your ground and, and making it at a capacity which is appropriate is, is key. The great news about Ellen Road is we have the space around it. We don't have to move the stadium. We can develop at Ellen Road. And that's one of the priorities. And, and you know, the 49ers not so long ago built Levi's Stadium. So they have fantastic expertise in, in, in that area. I've seen a few people online kind of saying, oh, well, the club should have used this time of closed stadiums to redevelop the West Stand. But obviously something like that will take years in the planning. What sort of a, what would be the minimum amount of time from saying, from committing to a project to something like that actually being, well, started and finished? It's about three years three to four years is the, is, is the fastest you can do it. So it's about a year in, in, in planning and preparation. And then it's probably a two-year build, depending on how you phase it. And, and one of the things, decisions you need to make when you phase it is how um, how willing you are to uh, take a capacity hit while you're building it. And there are ways now where you build over the top of the existing stand, you retain it, um, and then you move everybody upstairs. And, and basically across one or two seasons, you can not lose your capacity and effectively build a, build a new stand. Or you can build it quicker but it re- requires you to lose the capacity for some time. So those are the options that we're we're looking through now. But it, yeah, it's about a year in planning, and that's why there was nothing. You know, nothing could be done in this in this window. And actually, we spent five and a half million pounds in getting the uh, stadium up to Premier League standards, um, including the two floodlights that you now see arching over the West Stand. I quite like the floodlights. I know yeah. they, they've kind of split people, but I. I quite like Ellen Road as a whole because it looks a bit thrown together. And I quite like the fact that we've got these weird like bolt-on floodlights coming out of the car park. And, and the diamond shapes as well, which is a nice nod to history. Yeah, the diamond shape, that was a that was a supporter a supporter idea. So they were going to be square and uh, then we, we got a call saying they really should be diamond shaped. And so they were, uh, at no small expense, uh, rotated slightly <laughs> to, uh, to honour our past. <laughs> this spend then, the five and a half million quid, are we talking press area, floodlights, what else has needed to be done and what's yeah. a work in progress? A lot for, a lot for media. Um, new media area uh, floodlights were significant, um, so there are minimum lux levels that you need for the uh, for the Premier League, which is which is brightness. I I didn't think that it was particularly dark in the Championship, but I guess too bright. Pat Bamford uh, said, I, I guess <laughs> brighter now. So um, uh, so I guess you know spending a million and a half pounds on floodlights is a is a high quality problem, uh, you know, caused by a promotion. And then um, a lot in terms of uh, of the cabling for Sky Sky now at pretty much every every match. So we've had to. We had to redo that, and effectively, this is it comes from not being in the Premier League for 16 years. So for 16 years, the standards that that Sky and the broadcast have wanted has got higher and higher and higher. And most of the teams have been up and down, and therefore been able to do that piecemeal. For us, it was it was one big hit because I think I think Sky told us we were the you know the sort of farthest behind in terms of meeting their standards, just because we'd have been out of the league for for probably the longest of any team that's got promoted recently. 
So presumably that's things like ultra high definition cables being thicker than high definition ones and bigger power supplies for more powerful cameras and it's that kind of stuff. Really the really exciting <laughs> stuff, really getting into the weeds. In terms of there's a sky compound as well, is that being built or is it being built or Yes, that's being built. So that was that's part of the cost. Um and that's part of the part of the sky requirements. So we've been, you know, liaising with Sky to deliver that, which, you know, now sits behind the West Stand. And the West Stand footprint as well. That's space there away from the the park and ride in order to build a new West Stand if and when that time comes. Yeah, so that's what we're looking at now is is how much footprint you need to uh, you need to protect and it depends on capacity, but yeah, you would we would need to go back across the car park and probably a little bit into the park and ride and uh, and actually we just we're just talking now about uh, uh, how that works with the park life scheme which will sit on the park and ride. Vaguely related to the stadium then we've obviously seen the renaming of two stands in the last 6 months or so. What do we do next for for Wilkinson, for Eddie Gray, for for all these people who are, who are kind of still with us. That's it's actually a topic we wanted to. Uh, we were going to sit down with the supporters advisory um, board and, and discuss because we think that actually, whilst the stand names are, are fitting tributes, they were done in a in a challenging time. I don't think we've um, I don't think we've properly said goodbye to uh, to Jack or to Norman or or to Trevor, and we need we need to we need to do that at some point. So um, I think we're going to need to uh, need to think of a way that we can we can make appropriate tribute to that. Um, team in that era and then and then the eras that followed so maybe you look with the new west stand let's say there's a, a tunnel or an access way named or a road or something like that would that be a possibility you could look at yeah i think trying to when you build a new stand one of the criticisms of emirates stadium when it first opened it it lost its arsenalness and there was a sort of process of arsenalization of trying to you know re-embed the history back into back into the into the stadium and we need to do that when you know from when, from when we start so as you look at changing the west stand which has got some fantastic history in it. I think it's the oldest stand in the Premier League. You know, we need to look at how do we retain that and how do we, how does it not become a, uh, a sterile built out of a box stand, but how is it a Leeds United stand, you know, with Leeds United at its heart? Would you be open to maybe a, like a blue entranceway, like the old retro entranceway that's behind where the banqueting suite was, uh, that was lost when the banqueting suite was built? Something like that, you think, would that be open for consideration on a new build, something that is a nice nod to the heritage? Exactly. I mean, I think that the, the, the floodlights are a good, a good example where it is a very simple thing to do, but actually it is, is a nod to the heritage. And I think it's touches like that which make supporters feel at home and make, make them, everyone realise that the heritage hasn't been forgotten. So, And really the best place to get that kind of insight from is, is supporters. Wooden seats and an asbestos roof. That's what I'd go for. <laughs> keep, keep, keep it feeling familiar. Keep that character. So what does the next few months hold for you um, and things inside the club what what happens from here then what more work is there to be done in your eyes so the uh you know really we're planning you know we, we plan two transfer windows ahead so we're looking at uh we're looking at january which i think will be uh will be very quiet which won't be um, a surprise to anybody and then looking at the player situation for uh for the summer and the moves we need to make need to make them so that's that's important um, sitting down with Marcelo and and talking about the uh, the changes he wants to make going into next season. Obviously, we know you know his contract ends at the end of this season, but he's always had a long term view in terms of the physical um, structure and and the facilities at Thorpe Arch. So you know we want to get ahead on that on that planning, which I think is always a good sign that he's he's buying into it. Um, you know, longer term, uh, we'll be looking at uh, the development of the under twenty three squad. That hasn't been talked about very much this season, but I think that some of the players we've got in the under twenty three certainly know Marcelo is as excited about Geldhart and Drammer and Greenwood as as he is about the players we brought into the first team. So we'll look at you know the, the transition for those players, and then um, you know we are we are really starting to look in more depth now at the uh, at the stadium development 
as well. And, and, you know, I think if, when we retain our Premier League status, we'll be in a good position to then forge ahead with those plans. In terms of some of the broader issues you've faced so far, we kind of just got ourselves back in the Premier League and then there was Project Big Picture came from, well, seemingly from nowhere. What was the first you heard of it and what was your initial reaction? And on reflection, what do you think it, what do you think it was suggesting and what do you think will happen in future around it? Because normally when something like this happens, it felt like it was to test the water ahead of maybe something more reasonable. I think sort of two schools of thought. You know, on one level, it's it's every team's right and responsibility to be able to think about um, how the league might change and how it might change in their favour or just generally for the better. And there's lots of there's lots of planning that that, that goes on at that level between different clubs and, and in individual clubs. And we were part of it in the uh, in the championship where a group of clubs sat down and said, you know, how do we structure the league so it's more sustainable and we can drive revenues? And it was done separately from from the league. And so, on one level, clubs sitting down and, and thinking about how how things can be structured. Um, better is is not an issue. I think the challenge is, is when those discussions they seem to have evolved into uh, negotiations with governing bodies of the game generally and of a competitive league, and I think that's entirely inappropriate. And I think it was regarded by all the teams that that was inappropriate. And I think the Premier League acted very quickly to say, you know, if we're going to uh, assess those strategic issues of, of of how the league can get better, then we need to do it as a collective, as a whole, and, and respect everybody's. Uh, everybody's membership and everyone's role as a shareholder and the Premier League is now in that in that process of a, of a strategic review of how does the league get better over time how does it interact with the EFL how does it sell its TV rights how's the competition structured and I think that's a that's a good and positive thing but there will always be an imbalance or the challenge of the Premier League is balancing the sort of desires of the uh, of the so-called big six um, who have certainty about their Premier League status with the other 14 who tend to uh, move in and out of the of the league pretty much as a collective I think uh, if you're not in the top six the uh, average tenure of a Premier League team is five years so there's a sort of view that perhaps you know those teams don't have a long enough term a longer term um, uh, a view of the league and so there is always going to be some tension there always has been right back when you know when I was at Arsenal there was always tension between the sort of six and the 14 and uh, you know it's it's up for us as you know running the um, you know the best league in the world to manage that tension for the for the good of all the clubs. But presumably a relief to be at the top table now while those discussions are going on. I imagine your opinion of it may have been slightly different if we were in the championship still. It's absolutely better to, to have a voice and, and better to be having the, these discussions than um, than the championship discussions. And one of the challenges of, of being in, in the championship and the, and the EFL as a whole is from a governance perspective, there's 72 clubs in it. And to try and get 72 clubs to agree on anything is hugely challenging, particularly when you look at the spread of, of the clubs because you have Leeds United who... I believe have more, much more in common with with Everton or Chelsea than an Accrington Stanley, who are governed by the same body, who don't really have any of the similar similar challenges. So, in terms of making Leeds better, obviously it's better to be playing in the Premier League for lots of reasons. But from a governance perspective, it's be better it's better to be at that table and and in discussions of how the game will 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 evolve with Leeds in that form rather than in the Championship. I think the phrase is pissing out of the tent from the inside, isn't it? Rather than outside the tent pissing in, something like that. It does pose an interesting question. We are in an interesting position as a club, Leeds, because I think by any objective measure, and you're talking there about the revenues that we can generate this year, likely to be in the top 10 commercially and kit deals and so on, we're actually knocking on the door of that big six. And yet we're new to the division. So we're in a kind of a real, it's a unique position, really, a club of Leeds United size to be entering into that dynamic. Does that pose a unique challenge? 
I think it's a unique opportunity more than more than a challenge. It's the ideal situation to be in. You know, we don't have to come into this league thinking about how do we hang on. And you've you know you've seen clubs have differing models. You know, so you have a club like Norwich and who didn't spend very much, knowing that that put them at risk, but accepting that because they know they can keep the funds and then be you know the best team in the in the championship until they get humbled at Kenilworth Road. Um, <laughs> and um, uh, uh, you know that, that's that's one model. We know that's not a model for Leeds United. You know, Leeds United fans are not going to accept. You know, this is as I said before, this is base camp. We need to establish ourselves in this league, but we have the opportunity to do that more easily than some other clubs because we have that scale. So the opportunity is to is to leverage that scale and and ensure that we are an established. You know, the first thing is to establish ourselves as a mid table team. So we're not looking out. You know, we need to be looking up, not down the whole time. It's really really difficult to manage manage the club if all you're about is relegation because you're in a position where do we sign this player? Because if we sign him and we go down, we're not going to be able to afford him. That's going to put the club at risk. You know, do we build a new stand? We can't build a new stand because we don't need a new stand if we if we go down again. You need to be in that position where sort of Everton have been and, and looking at their new stadium where they're saying, no, we are we are solid. We'd have no risk of going down and therefore we can build on that platform. And that's how you, and Leicester have done the same thing. And that's how you can then meaningfully start to challenge the, the, the top six. But we're also, we're not fooled, you know, just because we're a bit bigger, we have no more right initially to be any more successful than Fulham or Sheffield United or West Brom. And the reality is, is that, you know, you have a 50% chance of going down in your first season in the Premier League and you have a 50% chance of going down in your second season. So, you know, three out of four teams are back in the championship um, after they've gone out and we need to make sure we're the, we're the fourth who doesn't. The Square Ball Podcast. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. 